Right to be Read podcast, episode number 17. Interview with Chris Brogan. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Annie Alexander, and I'm very excited today. That's because today I have a very special guest. He is the CEO of the Owner Digital Magazine. He is a podcaster, speaker, entrepreneur, and a New York Times bestselling author of six books. Today, I'm speaking to Chris Rogan. Hello, Chris. I'm really happy to have you on my show. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Fine, thank you. So, uh, well, I have so many questions for you, so I will <laughs> try not to overwhelm you. Uh, but we'll start with the one which interested me more, most of all. So, uh, New York Times bestselling author, speaker, successful entrepreneur. We know who is Chris Brogan now. But who was he before he became popular and well-known? I love that question. Uh, he was a lot of who he is now, actually. I, I haven't, I mean, if you met me at age five, you would still think, oh, he seems different. And that really hasn't changed much. I mean, who I am and what I do and how, what I believe in just really hasn't gone very far from where it always was. And so uh, I could tell you that... Um, I can tell you that the old me was a little less sure that I could make this all make sense. The old me was a little less uh, confident. The old me uh, thought I could break all the rules before I understood the rules. And now what I do is I learn the rules and then break them. And <laughs> so those are probably the biggest differences. Okay, so uh, you already had this core potential for, for getting where you are now from age five, I guess. <laughs> That's I hope what you so. meant. <laughs> I hope. I mean, you know, it, it sure didn't always work that way. But I, I found that, you know, I was always willing to make mistakes. And that's, that's really what separated me because not many other people were as willing to make mistakes. Okay, I see. So you are from those uh, people uh, who, like me, think that being different is an asset, not a problem. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, uh, so uh, let's just um, find out when and why did you decide to write a book since we're talking about writing a bit on this podcast. Uh, I know that you have uh, New York Times bestselling books. Uh, how did it start? The very, uh, I mean, I, I wanted to be an author from a very young age. What I uh, didn't do as well was I didn't actually write books. So I always told people, oh, I'm an author. I write a lot. And I'd write some stories and I'd write little plot outlines and I'd write thoughts, but I didn't produce. And if you're not producing, you could be a writer, uh, but I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be published. I wanted my material, even if I was the one publishing it, I wanted my material to get out there. So I started blogging uh, back when it was called journaling in 1998. And at first it was just my fiction and no one read it. No one liked it when they finally did read it. And, um, and then right around 2001, I switched over and was starting to look at other things, nonfiction and business and whatever. And I just took a lot of my creativity and tucked it into business writing. And so 
I loved blogging. I, I thought it was so great. And I've most, well, I, I would say almost every great experience in my life has come some way or another from my blog. And then I was at an event and I was sitting next to a woman who was the head of marketing for Wiley, uh, which is a big publisher in the US. And she uh, looked sideways at me after I answered a question for her and said, why don't you have a book? And I said, because they, I don't know, they're a lot of work. I'm blogging. I'm having fun. Leave me alone. And she <laughs> said, no, you should have a book. And my friend Chris Webb uh, signed me a deal on Wiley. And then they immediately, f Chris got transferred into a new organization and they gave the deal to my other friend, Matt Holt. And Matt and I have been friends ever since. And so that's how I got the book. And it was based, uh, people always think books are based on merit, but books are based on how many books can you sell. And I was very red hot popular and people were like, oh, this guy has lots of followers. And that's why I got a book deal. Uh, by luck, I was able to turn that into a bestseller. And then by luck and hard work, I was able to make that into uh, more books and more books so that, you know, I could share more things that mattered to me. I see. So you made a good point that, you know, it was much easier to get a book deal because you already had the audience in place and you had many fans who would most probably buy the book which would be out. So uh, can we go back a bit? And since uh, we're um, talking to people who are just starting uh, and tell us how did you build that audience? Where did you start? Was it just the blog or, you know, how did you grow the blog? Uh, you know, how How did you end up with this big army of fans? Uh, you know, I did this really weird thing. I helped them all. I was helpful. I provided so much information for free and be, with I was accessible. I made it easy for people to talk to me. I made it very, very, very simple for people to do business with me. And I guess that would be the deal. Uh, and to me, it's it's when people try to build an audience, they do it in all these weird ways that all start with... Um, how do you help me? Which is not in any way how, uh, you know, how you could grow a big community. The, the best way to grow a really big community is to be helpful to a lot of people and then just repeat that many, many, many times. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned that you had the, the very first blog you had uh, featured your fiction writings. Yeah. Yes. And then you, you created a new one, which was about business and entrepreneurship and things like that. Yes. And, and, and along the way, I had also made blogs about fitness and health and time management and all kinds of things. I tried all kinds of ideas that, you know, seemed like a good idea to me. And then as, as it went along, I just I started to narrow down to what really mattered to me. And it's always been sort of a business with a side of being human attached to it, I guess. That's the best way I could say it. So I, for quite some time, had a lot of people uh, better understand. Um, I, I've helped a lot of people better understand what they really want. And I guess that's really kept people coming back so that I can help them more. Okay, so you, you didn't have this, you know, dry textbook type of nonfiction information in one place, but you, you had this uh, human uh, feature and the emotional connection, engagement with the audience, I, I suppose. That's a great way to say it. I, I would say that with uh, every connection, when people read my, well, I, someone just said to me, I read your book, I felt like you were sitting across from me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, Yes. And, um, and that's because what, I mean, what I really needed them to do is I needed them to, uh, understand, 
uh, that that I do care that much, and that the person you know who's across from me is probably somebody that I want to uh, you know help in some way. And I think again, just being helpful is a really big, important way to make things go. Mm-hmm. I see. So you mentioned that in the beginning in your blog, you had many different uh, topics covered. And then with the time, you narrowed them down. So uh, does it mean that not necessarily just, you know, choosing the niche from the very beginning is too important and you can just start trying things out and see what the audience needs? <laughs> That sounds way too uh, scientific. Um, what I did was a little more, um, well, for instance, in my book, The Freak Shall Inherit the Earth, there's places where we feel like we belong. Like we feel like we don't even have to explain ourselves. We can say something very small or we can show just a, a symbol or a picture and everyone will understand. Uh, it could be anything. You could be really into old classic video games and I could show uh, a one-up mushroom from Mario and someone would say, oh, he likes Nintendo. And that would be where you would fit in. And so what I found is that the more I tried to serve the people that where I felt I belonged the more I could help, which is very different words than uh, narrowing something to a niche because it's not science for me, it's art. And I, I try very hard to uh, make sure that I'm serving a living body of entities, not uh, serving you know, some, some business need of mine because people's needs will change, but the people won't. So I need to actually stay close to the people, not their needs. Yeah, very, very important point. Uh, I guess, you know, uh, very few people realize when they are looking, for example, at their blog statistics or, you know, at their sales figures, etc., that all these figures represent people. Because very often, you know, you get overexcited and, you know, drifted by the the figures themselves, you know, forgetting at some point that these are real human beings. So I guess the key uh, key for the success uh, is that you you always stay closer to people and you never forget that. So and um, in that case, let's just maybe. Uh, I mean, that was my observation about the keys of your success. But what do you think? Which are the keys to your success? Like both in in general terms and in in your uh, writing career and your books. I would say that uh, one is to not allow for excuses. Uh, I don't allow excuses. So if I was supposed to get 2,000 words written every day, then I write 2,000 a day. Uh, I'm up closer to 4,000 a day right now. But uh, I think that when you don't allow excuses, then you always find a way. You can make anything work. Uh, the other is that once you find a really good path, really try to stay focused on your path. You're, you know, If you keep leaving to pursue other destinations, then that means you really haven't committed. Committed means there really aren't any other choices left. And I think that's a thing that's really helped with my success. The other is to never believe the praise or the criticism. doesn't matter. If people don't like your writing, then they don't like your writing. Try to learn. And if you uh, are praised and people love your writing, don't let that sway you either because maybe one person liked it and now you're doing this one dumb thing over and over and you're causing more problems. So it's really important to uh, keep inside your own head. And I guess finally, uh, my thought would be 
be willing to change. Be willing to throw it all away because sometimes you can find something even better as you do the work. Oh, okay, I see. So, do you have any specific writing routines, or, or you know, a special schedule of the day so you you stay productive and uh, you know you do you use any time management things, or you just go with the flow? Uh, that's all all good questions. I write whenever I can and wherever I can. I don't wait for a certain time of day because that time of day could be uh, jeopardized by something else. Someone says to me, "I always write at eight a.m." Well, what if you have to take your friend to the airport? Do you not write that day? So you always write at 8 a.m. unless you have to take your friend to the airport. And so to me, I write when I get it done. You know, I work until I'm done. And um, I guess as far as time management tips, I work time the same way. I work on priorities, not time. Time never changes. There's, It's always the same. There's always 24 hours. Uh, so I work priorities. And that way I make sure that the things that matter most get done and then I work on the other things. And so those two st uh, steps probably are what keep me the best. And then the other thing I, I do is I try really hard to make sure that there's always some piece of material ready to write so that there's never a blank page. So even if I'm done for the, the moment, I'll leave an extra sentence or two that reminds me where I'm going to pick up so that I can come back and grab it later. Okay, so it's, I think it's a great tip for those who struggle with the first sentence because many say that when they just sit to write in the very beginning, you know, writing that first words is a bit difficult. So in your case, you know, this solves the problem. Yes. Yeah. Uh Uh, okay, and uh, you know, I I think all of uh, all of us uh, periodically get these days when we don't really feel very motivated and we don't feel like writing, and you know, just we're not in that mood. Uh, what keeps you stay motivated in those times? Um, my mood does not get a vote in whether or not I write. Um, I have work to do, I have business, and I have uh, writing to get done because I have people to help. I only have 60 years or so before I'm dead, so I need to use all this time. And so my mood does not get a vote in when I write. Okay, I see. And since I presume with everything you do, you don't get to have too much free time, did you abandon writing the fiction uh, so you concentrated on non-fictional only or you, you still have fiction pieces written? I don't write fiction anymore, uh, but not really because of anything to do with free time, strictly to do with the fact that uh, I'm evidently not a very good fiction writer. Um, I have lots of free time. A lot of people schedule their days very, very, very busy. I schedule my day to 40%. And then that means that I have time, if I need it, for mistakes or problems or other things that have to be fixed. Ah, okay, I see. So you, you have this safety <laughs> uh, safety time period when, you know, in case something happens, you, you have available time to fix those later on. Correct. Okay, I see. Uh, so, uh, but uh, are you sure you're not a good fiction writer? I mean, what did it, uh, I mean, how did you come uh, up with this conclusion? Just because people said that or, or you believed in, I mean, uh, you know, I just want to, to understand the process. Someone who's writing fiction at some point realizes he's not a good fiction writer. How does it happen? Uh, you know, I would say that I could probably get good at it. It would just take a lot of time uh, to be really good at anything. It requires that mythical 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell says. And I used all those hours towards mostly nonfiction. And so I, I could probably learn it, but to master it, it's going to take a long time. I would say the best way is 
to continue practicing. And by practicing, I mean publishing. I don't mean uh, writing little plot treatments. I don't mean writing little notes to yourself. Every note that you've written uh, will never be on a bookshelf until it's a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, uh, but maybe, I mean, you don't really, uh, you haven't fixed this, right? You you may at certain point go back to it and we, we may uh, at some stage get a book of fiction by you, maybe. No, no question. I, you know, there's still a rumor and a risk and a worry that that could happen. Okay, <laughs> I see. Okay, uh, so, um, and uh, I presume that... Uh, What inspires you most in everything you do is uh, the result of helping people when you see success stories of those who you have helped. Um, do you do you get, I mean, uh, do you get them very often? Uh, do you keep it in your files, like the success stories of people who, who thank you with, uh, with the results they have achieved? I get lots of emails to that effect that make me very, very happy or I get to see people in person at speeches and they tell me that and it makes me very happy. I don't keep them uh, because I'm not really supposed to be swayed by either praise or criticism. So I try hard to accept what I've received, thank the person and then keep doing my work. Okay, and um, how exactly, I mean, uh, you're helping them in, in, in which manner? I mean, you help them uh, by uh, advice and, and uh, coaching, or what do you exactly do for these people? Uh, sometimes it's something they read in a newsletter. Sometimes it's a story. Sometimes people buy coaching. Sometimes people buy a course that I sell. Um, there's many ways. Uh, my audio book, my podcast, everything that I create, I'm, I'm out there helping. So someone will say, I didn't have a really good way to explain this to my boss, so I found it. Someone will say, I thought that I really had to stick with this job, but you taught me that I could pursue what I really wanted to do. Someone will say, uh, I was having trouble with my health and you gave me a good guidance. This really lovely lady named Kara Lumen told me, she's in her 80s, she said, the other day you told me I still have 30 years left of work. Um, And I realized that I had just been sort of waking up and falling asleep and eating in the middle. And she decided to get back to work. So now she's creating more content and interesting material. So, uh, you know, I, I'm very blessed. I, I get the opportunity every day to be helpful. And I consider that a strong responsibility. So I work hard at that. So you have many, many different channels and many different ways of helping people. So where do you get uh, your ideas of different approaches and, you know, different uh, products and, and means of, of uh, giving out this content you have? I look for um, information all the time or I, or I see information all the time, I guess. My eye is tuned to... Uh, understanding that someone has a need or someone is expressing something or sometimes I'll just be walking and I'll see a sign or I'll see an experience at a restaurant and I'll think, oh, that's absurd. What a great way to explain this process. And I'll take it from there. And so what I find is that uh, there's, there's information and ideas all around us. There's never a lack of ideas we tend to need to work on being perceptive for them. And topics will show up everywhere. Ideas will show up everywhere. Content is all around us, swirling and dying. I could look to my left and I could say, uh, 
I don't know. So I can make a story about a messy desk because there's a bunch of books piled to my left that are in no great shape. But what I've learned is that I leave them there because I sort of shuffle them and think of what I want to learn in a given day. And that that's not a straight line kind of education, but it helps me by being open to different possibilities. So that could be a post. Pick between blog blog or podcast or anything like that. I usually just pick whatever, you know, one makes sense for the piece. But that's that's sort of beside the point. Okay. And do you have any specific things that uh, or situations that boost your creativity? Uh, being around people uh, does and and sometimes going to places where a lot of people gather uh, that's that's one great opportunity I think my creativity comes from seeing how humans interact and that you know all stories are not uh, all stories are made of the connection between things not just the thing in isolation a person sitting in a room is a fairly boring story a person sitting in the room with a dragon is a less boring story. Mm -hmm. uh, a person sitting in the room and the dragon is the person's mother is getting more interesting. So, uh, you know, it's the interaction that makes a story. And I, I just look for that. Where are the connecting points and how can I make them better? Mm -hmm, I see. And uh, some people advise that while uh, write, writing a book, you should have in your mind your ideal reader, someone you, you, you know, you're writing it for. Do you have your ideal reader or uh, you're writing it for yourself first? Or, you know, how do you approach that point? Oh, that's a very good question. And you're supposed to say, you know, the person you love the most, but that's not <laughs> who, that's not really who. Um, in a lot of ways, I think I, I write for, uh, wow, you stumped me, Ani. I, I think that, <laughs> I think that the person I write for is the person that asks me questions uh, after an experience, the person that asks me questions at a conference or something, that's usually the kind of person I would write for is that, that person who doesn't believe in themselves. I want to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. So any uh, question in, in an event may eventually lead you to, to a book idea and to, uh, to something much bigger than just a small short answer to the question, I suppose. Exactly so. That's exactly how it works for me. Okay, so that, that's that's amazing. You know, it's just, you know, uh, I mean, this is the difference, I think, between the writers and uh, let's put it like, you know, in a standard way, like ordinary people. Because, I mean, it, it's all around us, but some notice it and some take advantage of the opportunity and some, you know, just pass by and don't even imagine that these kind of things exist. So I guess that's the, the main difference. Exactly. Um, well, then um, maybe something which is quite trendy and, and uh, I'm sh I know that you're very good at it. Uh, how do you deal with the social media? What's your relationship with that? With what? Social media? Social media, yeah. Oh, uh, I've used it very, very actively for quite some time. Uh, it's been something that's been part of my process forever. Um, 
what I find is that it's a great way to have uh, liner notes and communications and, and situations around the primary story. But it's also a way to get lost in the process. You can get lost with social media because people will spend way too much time talking to the people who admire their work and not doing the work that made them admired. And so it's, it's, it has to be both. I'm very responsive, though, on any of the social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and whatnot. So people can find me there for sure. I find that what I've changed in my life is that I now work harder to bring those conversations to email mm -hmm. so that it can be a lot more one-on-one -on -one and I can be more helpful. Okay, I see. So you're not from those, you know, very famous guys who, uh, you know, people can approach only through the VA and, you know, usually don't get any email responses from them. Oh, no, I have, uh, I get about 600 emails a day, I reply to as many as I can. And uh, what's left over, I try to follow up the next day. Okay, I see. Uh, well, I'm, I'm know that, you know, our time is wrapping up. So the last two questions, and I won't torture you anymore. <laughs> so uh, what would you say to your, let's say, uh, 25 years old self? I would say stop messing around and do the work. And you've been messing around a lot while you were 25? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I did everything but write. I just kept telling people I was a writer, but I wouldn't write. So that was the problem. Okay, I see. And the last thing, um, what would you advise um, someone who, who, like you, is telling that he wants to become a writer and doesn't do anything? I mean, what, what should he start doing first? Right. I think that's a good start. Right. Um, instead of being wanting to be a writer, write and publish and produce and start. Make a blog. Just start with a blog. It's really easy. Type, type, type. You're done. Um, and then uh, from there, make bigger things. And uh, don't wait for some big publisher to find you. There's just way too many examples now of published people who have published for themselves and the big people find them later. Just go. Yeah. Just start. Yeah, very great advice. So, and since uh, my podcast is about inspiring and encouraging writers, can you tell me what inspired you this week, for example? Wow. Um, no, I can tell you that everything inspired me. I can tell you that the air, uh, you know, the weather, there was a big storm. I can tell you that there's so many places that give me so much opportunity to learn that, you know, I just, I try to keep my eyes wide open. Um, and I would say that one thing I was inspired, I'll give you just one. I saw a stage with 20 people standing on it who had all lost 100 pounds of weight. And so that that whole group together equaled an entire truck Like there was a truck missing from them uh, that they had removed by their hard work. And that very much inspired me. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Very, very inspirational. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the interview. Uh, you know, it was really great. I'm sure the listeners will, will enjoy it a lot. Uh, thank you for dedicating the time to come over the show. I really, really appreciate that. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. 
Well, that was it for today. You had 30 minutes packed with wisdom and I'm sure you enjoyed the interview. Before I leave you, I would like to remind you that I'm offering free ebooks which will help you fight any writer's block, get professional covers that sell your book without breaking the bank and come up with book launch strategy. Head over to www.annealexander.com slash free Annie spelled A-N-I and grab them now. It's all there for you. Well, have a nice day, keep on writing and meet you in the next episode.